So I picked one of my favorite sermons, most favorite sermon for this morning. That's based on Revelation chapter 5, where the Apostle John has a vision into heaven, sees what is going on there, where he sees the greatness of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's our text then for this morning's sermon, Revelation 5. And we'll look at the entire chapter. Revelation 5, 1. And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open this scroll and to loose its seals? And no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth, was able to open the scroll or to look at it. So I wept much, because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Behold, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne, and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb, as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. Then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood, that of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand, and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom, and strength, and honor, and glory, and blessing. And every every creature which is in heaven, and on the earth, and under the earth, and such as are in the sea, and all that are in them, I heard saying, Blessing, and honor, and glory, and power be to Him who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb forever and ever. Then the four living creatures said, Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshipped him who lives forever and ever. Let's sing after the sermon from hymn 27. And we'll sing stanzas 1 through 8. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Have you ever had the, the plans or the, the blueprints for something, but that's really all you had? They just sat there up in your closet, let's say, rolled up for years. Maybe you didn't have the time or the money. Maybe the town said, no, sorry, you can't do this. There are lots of things like that in life. Great ideas, dreams, plans, but that's all they are. Castles in the air, we might call them. Wonderful, but yet they have very little chance of being reality. Well, here in the book of Revelation, John must have thought something along those lines. In fact, although John has been brought into heaven, into the great palace of the great king, surrounded by glory and wonder, John weeps. How often is there weeping in heaven? Seems completely out of place, doesn't it? But John weeps. Why? Because there is a scroll that just cannot be opened. So think of blueprints just rolled up, but blueprints, it seems, that are never going to see the light of day. Now these must be some blueprints. If John, in his heavenly vision, weeps, the Greek here, too, is very strong, that it's, it's not just sort of a whimper. It's a lament, a wail. But then an elder comes to him. Weep no more. What a beautiful command. The lion, the root of David, is conquered, and he is able to open the scroll. And because of this, everyone in the heavenly throne room rejoices. They are already praising God. That's in Revelation chapter 4. But now it all rises to a new level. In fact, says John, every creature in every place erupts in thunderous praise. You know, when we read this, we should sort of like be on the edge of our seats. What, what is this all about? Well, what's in this scroll? What marvel has God planned? I put the sermon then under this theme. The Lamb is worthy to open God's scroll. I'll look at three things. The scroll here, the Lamb, and then the praise. So it's as if John here is in the heavenly throne room. He sees the King in His glory. That's earlier on. The King who is covered almost like with precious gems. That's how great His glory is. But then His eyes travel to the King's right hand. And He sees there is a scroll in it. It's written on the front and on the back. So it's very full. And it's sealed with seven seals. Well, just what is this scroll all about? You may wonder. Well, in order to answer that question, you need to understand how the book of Revelation works. It is a somewhat complex book. And that so many themes from earlier on in Scripture, 
find their great crescendo or culmination. Images are often layered on top of each other in this book. So for instance, in Ezekiel 2, you can read about a scroll. And it's a scroll of, a scroll of woe and lamentation and judgment. There's something similar in Isaiah 29, 11. Later on in Daniel chapter 12, verse 4, his prophecy about what is to come is described as a sealed scroll. Later on, too, in the very book of Revelation, we hear about something. The book of life that has the names of the redeemed on it. In the days of the Apostle John in the first century, there also would have been another association when you heard the word scroll. And that would be a Roman will. A scroll or a book then that has details about someone's wishes. About the inheritance. I found it interesting to know that at times Roman wills had seven seals on them. Just like here. This scroll then you could say it's like the biggest will ever the will of god will not as in just what god wants but god's will how he wants his riches to be enjoyed it's god's great blueprint god's plan of history and redemption which then goes down to the smallest of details a mighty angel calls out that all-important question then who is worthy to open this scroll and break its seals? So much rests on finding an answer to this question. Now you might think, opening up a scroll with seals on it, that's a fairly easy thing to do. I mean, seals are just bits of wax. Sometimes there might be a string or a thread in them too for extra security. Things are never quite so simple though in these visions. Because notice specifically the question of the angel. Who is worthy? He asks. You see, it's not just who is able. Who is worthy? If you are not worthy you will not be able to get through even the wax on this scroll. We live in a world that does not understand this question. Who is worthy? You see, our world is all about power. If you have the power to do something, then you can do it. Just look at popular superheroes too. Superman, Spider-Man, whoever. What makes them special is their special abilities. Whether they are worthy of doing something is never asked. But the one who can open God's will needs to be worthy. That's what makes you able. You have to be deserving of it? Well, then perhaps you see 
It's no mystery to find out the next thing. That no one is found worthy. No one in heaven or on earth or under the earth can open the scroll and look into it. After all, this is God's will and God's inheritance that we are talking about. This is something that God has written. Who is worthy of opening it? Making it a reality? This will deals with sinners. It gives sinners a future, a hope, an inheritance. This will reverses death. It breaks the power of the devil. This will answers the justice and the wrath of God. Who is worthy? Who can deal with all of this? John has some idea about the importance of this scroll. He knows that if it can't be opened, the future is not open. All hope is lost. So as the living creatures and the elders are praising God, he weeps. He weeps loudly. And that takes us to our second point. An elder comes to John. Weep no more. Behold, the line of the tribe of Judah has conquered. The root of David. So that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. Who is this one then? Who is worthy? Well, he's described here as the Lion of Judah. Well, maybe you know that should make you think of Genesis. Genesis 49. Jacob prophesies about each of his sons. He speaks about Judah like this. He is the root of David. That should almost startle you a little bit. Because you might expect that he would be the, the shoot from David. Something like that. No, but he's the root of David. And we find this in Scripture, that the Lord Jesus Christ, he's from the line of David, but also he is the source, the foundation of that line. He's the caboose and the engine, the beginning and the end of it all. A lion from Judah, a root of David, announces the elder. Well, then what do you expect John to see next? Is he going to see a, a ferocious lion, fiercer than any warrior, bounding to the throne in a single leap? But then John sees something very shocking, the complete opposite, something completely unexpected. He sees a lamb standing as though it had been slain. This great lion, and then a little lamb. It specifically says, too, in the Greek, a, a little lamb. The helplessness, the vulnerableness of this lamb is stressed. And even more, it's a lamb that has been slain. Butchered, you could even translate it. It's also clear from the Greek that this lamb was not just slain in the past, 
but now is sort of healing up a bit. No, this lamb's death endures into the present. For those of you who are grammar buffs, this is the perfect tense. A past action that still has present results. A lamb has conquered. A little lamb, a slaughtered lamb, is worthy. This is the most astounding of claims. This is one of the most critical interpretive keys. In fact, if you understand what's going on here, you understand so much about the book of Revelation. There is a lion because there is also a lamb. It is the death of Christ that makes him so strong, stronger than anything this world has ever seen. Worthy. When none is worthy, a will is only opened up after someone dies, right? Well, here in this Lamb, the marvel of marvels, it is like God Himself has experienced death. Notice the resurrection and the ascension of Christ. Those are great things too, but those are not mentioned here. The Lamb standing as though it had been slain. Christ opened up His arms to a cross that He might open up this scroll and break its seals. This Lamb is standing before the throne. You may not see it at first, but That language, standing before the throne, is the language of sacrifice. A sacrifice that is presented to God, that is continually before Him. So the great and glorious throne of God now has this in front of it. This constant sacrifice. Everything from the throne then comes through this Lamb. This Lamb's sacrifice changes everything. This lamb, too, has seven horns. Ever seen a lamb like that? Clearly, he is no ordinary lamb. He is a lamb, but there's also a power to him. Different than anything else in the world. He also has seven eyes, which symbolize the Holy Spirit. Because what he does is also done through the Holy Spirit. Zechariah 4 says about God's work, not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit. Are you looking for a butchered lamb? Do you have your eyes on Him? He alone is worthy. Worthy of your hope Worthy of your adoration? Worthy of opening up the things of God? Is the Lamb your lion? Is His weakness your strength in life? 
That takes us to our third point. When he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fall down before the Lamb. They fall down. A complete act of worship. We also learn that these 24 elders are holding harps and golden bowls full of incense. The prayers of the saints. John has been weeping. But clearly it's not just John all by himself. There's also these bowls of incense. Every believer too has been yearning and praying. And this Lamb who now is worthy through His death who takes that scroll, he answers all the prayers too of the saints. And then a new song is sung in heaven. A new song, you know, like after the exodus from Egypt, or when God brings His people back from exile. A new song, not because they're tired of the old, No, a new song in response to a new act because God's redemptive plan has moved forward. And look at this song. It also explains what this scroll is all about. And if you want to understand the book of Revelation, this is what you always need to do. You need to keep reading because when you have a question about something, you'll often find that in the next verses, it's answered. Worthy are you, goes this song. You were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God and made them a kingdom and priests. Now, the background to this is, first of all, Exodus, Exodus 19, and then a little bit of Daniel 7 sprinkled in. In Exodus 19, God says this about his people that they are royal priests. For him. Just think, in Egypt, they were slaves. And they were slaves there for hundreds of years. In Egypt, there was only a very elite group of priests. And only one king. But the Exodus shows God's desire, God's joy in delivering paupers and making them into priests. To enthrone those who were enslaved. God's great desire, even in the beginning, you see that in creation, is that the whole world would be filled with royal priests, those who rule in this world, but who are also priests who direct everything to the worship and the glory of God. In the days of the book of Revelation, the Roman emperor, he claimed he could make you royalty. And he could make you a priest. He could give you a position in a pagan temple if he wanted. And Christians, why they were being persecuted, blamed for a fire that he started, thrown to wild animals, hated by others who claimed to believe in the one God, Would they take comfort and encouragement? Will we? Whatever the world thinks and says, 
Jesus Christ has made us kings and priests. God's will has been unlocked. His inheritance is a reality. And it is already being enjoyed by those who turn to Him. In fact, this is such a great thing that a huge number of angels join in praise. Worthy is the Lamb. 10,000 upon 10,000. 10,000 is the biggest number in the Greek language. Myriad. So you could make it something like millions. Millions upon millions. Picture that. Maybe even billions. Billions upon angels. Billions of angels upon billions. Praising the Lamb. Shouting out, worthy is the Lamb. Do we hear their voice too? Do we know what's going on in the heavens? Or will we decide to be ignorant or to be afraid or to be lukewarm? These angels marvel at what God and Christ has done here on this earth. They were in awe over creation. They sang for joy what God created. But here, there's an even greater wonder that they sing for joy over. These angels are our cue that as we look at the Lord Jesus Christ and ourselves also, that we ought to realize we stand on ground holier than we realize. And that we should forever too be calling out, worthy is the Lamb. In fact, John sees every creature in heaven and on earth now singing praise to God and to the Lamb. Every creature in heaven and on earth. So all of creation, because of what happens here, all of creation sings out to God. The devil has always wanted to wrest creation from that purpose. Direct creation into itself, to its own glory and worship. And us as well. But here, finally, through this Lamb and His opening of the scroll, all of creation bows and worships as Isaiah says, even the trees of the field sing for joy. Even the devil himself will one day praise God for what happens here. The glory of what is done here. The glory of God's love. What He does to make this will a reality. That is so great that even the devil one day will have no choice but to worship and to acknowledge who God is. So then in conclusion, chapter 5 here. Chapter 5 and chapter 4 belong together. You could read chapter 4 later too. They both end with praise. They're both like two sides of a coin. 
First of all, there's Revelation chapter 4. Revelation 4 tells us that, first of all, we need to simply see God for who He is. His greatness and praise Him. Then Revelation 5. We also need to see the greatness of Christ. The greatness of God in Christ. So not just who God is, but also what God has done. So often as we journey in life, we travel with our heads down. Have you ever gone on a walk or so and you know, just had your head down and you don't really enjoy the walk? You find that you actually might even trip a little bit more? We need to learn to look up in hope, in confidence. The Christians of the first century had plenty reasons to fear. A madman ruled the empire. They had lots of temptations to give up, to give in. We too face many temptations and many dangers. We need to open up our eyes to what's opened up here to John. To look into heaven for a change. Then we see what is going on here on this earth. A right. Imagine if those in the first century could now see what the, the opening of this will has meant. Imagine if they could see that their faith, first of all, such a minority, hated, misunderstood, that yes, it would spread throughout the whole world. Imagine that. If we too could have this vision always before us. Billions of angels marveling at God's work in Jesus Christ. All of creation singing His praise. He took the scroll. Let no one then take away your confidence, your joy, and your commitment to Him. Amen.